0: Tonight at Ground Zero Meetings, we're going to continue down our teachings through the Bible. Um, tonight's message will be on First Samuel. You know, um, just a little recap. You know, we we're going through you know the five, first five books of the Bible and Moses' teachings and you know and his warnings and his you know declared blessings if they submit to the Lord. You know, Joshua. You know, basically, you know he took over the promised land. You know, and, and, you know, he had the same kind of message at the end, you know, that there's these blessings if you continue to surrender yourself to the Lord and don't, you know, you know, vary from his path. Do not turn to the tribes or the idols that are around you. And if you do, then there's a lot of destruction. And, you know, and we see that the people, you know, being religious and they wandered from God and they started looking at the world around them. You know, we, we went through the, the book of of Judges and how there was the ups and the downs and the, you know, the brokenness and the repentance and God would deliver them and bring them back. And, you know, and we talked about the book of Ruth last week and that was set right in that time. And, and as the book of Samuel is, is coming, it's kind of the tail end of the book of Judges. You know, it's, you know, there's still a lot of chaos going on around them, you know, and, um, they're still, you know, haven't really established them, you know, themselves yet, you know, as the kingdom of God, you know, they're, you know, there's a remnant, you know, there's God's people, but, you know, the Canaanites, the Philistines, you know, these tribes are right there, right around them, and they're constantly going on, you know, and having these little spats and battles and backs and forth. you know. So, you know, the, the book of Samuel, obviously, you know, it has, Samuel is the main character, you know, he's the, you know, one of the first real prophets of God coming out of, you know, the book of Judges, you know, and, you know, he's the voice for the Lord, and, um, <clears throat> you know, and to start that off, you know, we have this, this mother, you know, and she doesn't have any children, and, you know, there was a lot of, of craziness back then, you know, that there was... You know, husbands that had multiple wives and we see that in this story that her husband had another wife and she was popping kids out left and right, you know, and she would hold it against Hannah, you know, and she would mock her, you know, and she didn't have any children and really your identity was if you had sons or not, you know, if you were able to give your husband sons that gave you value, that gave you stature. And this other woman, you know, was constantly, you know, she was, you know, having children, you know, and Hannah wasn't able to, you know, and she would just, you know, turn to God and say, God, I am a righteous woman and, you know, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing and here's this other woman, what's going on, you know, and she would find herself praying and going to the temple, you know, and God still wasn't really answering her prayers, you know, and, um, she ends up at the temple and she's praying so hard that the priest at the time is Eli and he's like woman don't come here drunk you know she's so out of herself she's just so chasing after god you know that he thinks that she's drunk at the temple you know and there's times that you know when you're really seeking god we do some radical things and we look a little strange to to people but she makes this covenant with God and she's like if you give me a son I'll give him back to you you know and um you know God is always looking at her hearts you know there's times that we we pray prayers like this but we're trying to manipulate God and it doesn't work so if this was a manipulation on her part God wouldn't have answered the prayer in my opinion but God knew her heart and he finally saw her humble herself you know, that it wasn't about the other woman. It wasn't about, you know, the competition between the two wives. It was about her, you know, wanting a son and doing it for God, you know, and, and God ends up answering this prayer and she has this, you know, baby boy and, and they name him Samuel. Well, <clears throat> the first couple of years of his life, she stays with mom. And then once he's kind of old enough, you know, they, they, Hand them over to Eli, and Eli starts raising this little boy in the temple. You know, and, um, <clears throat> you know, Hannah has this, you know, this song of joy, you know, and it's really, you know, it's interesting to look at, you know, her heart, you know, and, and what's going on, you know, and you can read that in, in the first couple chapters. I think it's chapter two of, of the book of Sam, 1 Samuel. And, um, you know, as Eli's raising this little boy, You know, God hadn't really been moving the way he'd been moving in the past because they'd been so far away from God, you know, that they were kind of hanging on. There was a remnant, you know, and some of them behaved themselves and did what they were supposed to do. But a lot of them were just kind of going through the motions. And, you know, it was so easy for them to get distracted by everything that's going around because the power of God had not moved, you know, except through the judges in quite some time you know, and, um, you know, Eli, you know, he was running the temple, but, you know, you can see that his sons were distracted and then they were worshiping the idols around them. They were bringing prostitutes into the temple, you know, and God ends up taking those guys out, you know, and, and so really Eli passes everything on to Samuel, you know, and, and it, you can see how, you know, God's kids are still struggling because it's not about God. It's still about going through the motions of religion, you know, and, and, you know, doing what they need to be doing. Well, one night, you know, you know, all of a sudden, you know, Samuel is sleeping and, and, he hears his, his name getting called. Well, he gets up out of bed and he goes over to Eli and he says, what do you want? He's like, I didn't say nothing. Go back to bed. You know, and this happens two times and the third time, You know, Samuel goes back to Eli and is like, I heard my name. What did you want? And and Eli instantly is like, whoa, God's talking to you. So if you hear, go back to bed, if you hear it again, basically, you know, say, God, here's your servant. I'm listening. And this is where, you know, Samuel really starts to move and God starts talking to this little boy, you know, and as you read through, you know, the prophets, Samuel, you know, is known as one of the major prophets. You know he he led the kingdom you know basically from nothing and spoke into kings' lives and brought the presence of God back into israel you know and by the end of his life you know they've completely changed, and you know in uh the, the heart of god has been being ministered back into the people you know and um it it's funny is that you know, we don't always want God. We want to get what we want. You know, as we saw in Judges, it's like everybody did what was right in their own eye. You know, and you see that in Christianity. You see that in the church. You know, we don't always obey the Bible. We kind of do what we want to do. You know, and, um you know, here's Samuel, finally the prophet of God, and, and no one likes the prophets of God. You know, they kill them almost every single time. As you, you look through the Bible... The guy that's talking about God and standing up for God the most is the guy that gets, you know, persecuted the most and gets killed. You know, so, you know, here's Samuel trying to bring back the, the fervency, you know, the fire back into the people. And they're like, we don't want to hear you anymore. We want a king. And Samuel's like, kind of upset with this. You know, he's like, no, you don't want a king. And they're like, no, we want a king. And he's like, no, you don't want a king. And they're like, yes, we want a king. And finally he, like, he knows that this is a bad choice, but he turns to God and he's like, God, the people want a king. And God's like, go ahead, give him a king. You know, and here's one of these times that God gives us the desires of our heart, even when it's a bad idea. Because he knows that we're not going to let go of it until we feel the pain of that decision. You know, and there's times that people get into relationships and You know, and it's like, this is a bad idea. And we do it and it ends horribly. And then we turn back to God and we're like, okay, God, that was a bad idea. I'm ready to do it your way. Sometimes we go back into addiction and then we find ourselves back here. You know, we pick up a drink. We pick up a drug. You know, there's various things that we do that are like, God, I need this. I want this. I'm going to get this job. And we put this thing or this person or this status in front of God in the process. And God kind of warns us over and over and over again, but yet eventually He sees that we're not going to let go of this thing and He gives it to us. You know, so not always the desires of our heart is a good thing because technically our heart's kind of wicked and it's an idol maker. But, you know, Samuel, you know, ends up picking Saul out of the crowd you know, Saul is head and shoulders above the rest. He's handsomer than most any other man, you know, and they're like, woo, we got a king, you know, and Saul starts out really good in the beginning. He wins a couple battles, but, you know, he's got some brokenness in him, you know, and he gets real arrogant and prideful right off the get go, you know, and he's not really listening to to Samuel. He's not obeying God and he's kind of doing his own thing, you know, and, um, you know, that uh he twists it. You know, Samuel tells him to to not, you know, bring anything back from one of the victories, you know, and he brings like you know all the animals back. You know, and Samuel kind of confronts him, he's like, What did you do? You know, God said not to bring anything back and he brought everything back. And he's like, Well, I thought we could bring it back and then sacrifice it to God. So it's like this manipulative thing in his heart. And don't we do that? Don't we kind of take what God says and then we kind of make an angle to it? And then we're like, well, God, what's the big deal if I do it this way? But yet we know that we're rebelling. We know that we're not doing it the way God had said to do it or not to do it. And Saul did this a few times. Like he knew what he was supposed to do, but yet he wanted to do it his way and and thought his way was better. And, And, you know, he's fighting God in this sense. You know, because of his pride, he, he didn't want to listen to God. He didn't want to obey God. He didn't want to obey the prophet of God. You know, and this gets him in trouble, you know, over and over again. You know, there's another time where, you know, he, you know, bring, you know, God told him, wipe everybody out and don't spare anybody. And he spares the king, you know, and he brings him back and Samuel's like, what did you do? You know, and he's like, well, I just thought, you know, and, and Samuel just goes over and slits the guy's throat. You know, and, and it's like, you know, there's this radical obedience in Samuel to obey God. But Saul's kind of doing what he wants in the process. You know, and God does that stuff in our lives today. You know, maybe it's not as extreme that we're not supposed to be cutting anybody's heads off. But, you know, there's times when we see the people around us and even in our own hearts that we we play this same game. You know, and God wants us to obey Him. You know, this is where, you know, obedience is greater than sacrifice. You know, there's a lot of times that we try to sacrifice things for God, even in our Christianity, even though the Christ was the ultimate sacrifice. But what He really wants is obedience. You know, He wants us to trust Him. He wants us to trust that relationship with Him. He wants us to trust that we're hearing His voice. You know, He'll always correct us if we're not doing it you know his way, you know, and eventually, you know, kind of Saul, you know, gets to the the last leg of his journey, in a sense, or the last, you know, with God. And um, you know, the king is the king, and the priest is the priest, and the prophet's the prophet. You know, everybody kind of plays their role. And um, the kings weren't allowed to do the sacrifices. It's just kind of a in Leviticus, it's the law. And you know, Saul gets a little impatient. And he says, Well, we don't need to wait anymore. And he goes and he does the sacrifice. And, like, instantaneously, as soon as he does this, Samuel shows up. He's like, What have you done? You know, he's like, What? What's the big deal? You know, and it's like, There's times that we do this. There's times that we, you know, God, you know, tells us we should or shouldn't. You know, like, Oh, what's the big deal? I'll just get grace later. You know, and there's times that God does give us grace and there's times that God spanks us in these types of moments. You know, that we can't take grace for granted. You know, we can't take God for granted. Well, at this point, Samuel, you know, gets, you know, you know, the voice of the Lord moves through him and he says, you know, God is done with you. Basically, he's raising up another king. Well, at this time, Samuel kind of loses his mind. You know, he never, he'd never imagined that that would ever happen. You know, he thought he was the king of the hill. You know, this is my kingdom. You know, you can't do anything. But what he didn't realize is that God's in control, not him. He thought he could do whatever he want, disregard the prophet, but the prophet's speaking for God. You know, and we do that sometime with the Holy Spirit, don't we? You know, we do whatever we want, and the Holy Spirit's talking to us, and we're kind of like, shh, 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 shh. you know, I'm praying to Jesus over here, Holy Spirit. You know, and the Holy Spirit's like, um, hello, well, you know. And we kind of try to shut up, you know, the Holy Spirit is because we're trying to get and manipulate Jesus to get what we want. Or am I the only one that tries to play this game? Doesn't work real well. I'm just saying, you know, it's happened once or twice. I'm the only one. I'm the only one. I'm the only one. So, you know, basically God tells Samuel, you know, go find us a new king, you know, and you know you see this message kind of woven in is that god opposes the proud you know and he exalts the humble you know we see it in hannah's life when she was proud and, and jealous and envious of, of the other woman you know when finally she humbled herself before god god moves you know we see it here you know you know saul's prideful and arrogant and not listening god finally opposes him you know, and he raises up the humble, you know, and, um, you know, Samuel hears, you know, that the next king's coming from the house of Jesse, and he goes and finds Jesse, and he's like, can I see all your sons, and Jesse's like, here's all my sons, and he's talking about this one and that one, and how awesome they are, and he, he basically says, no, you're not the one, 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 and you're not the one, don't you have any more sons? And Jesse's like, Well, yeah, I got this, you know, little kid. He's out in the you know in the you know tending to the sheep. You know, and he's like, Well let me see him. And and he goes and gets David and David shows up and Jesse's like, Yep, you're the one and he like dumps the ram horn full of oil over his head. And all his brothers who are older are like, What is going on here? Now, you know, there's this prophetic message in this is that he was the seventh son, you know, but you know, it's also, David was this, you know, obedient, humble, you know, child at that point, probably a teenager, you know, and um Samuel anoints him as king, you know, but Saul stayed in power for many years, to be honest, you know, if you read it, it's probably right around 20 or so, you know, from the time that he got anointed king to when David finally stepped in as the official king, but we see this same message You know, as God is opposing Saul because he's proud and he's exalting David because he's humble, you know, and, you know, there's a lot going on in this story, you know, that, you know, the Philistines are are coming in and this is where the story of Goliath comes in and this is a, a pretty famous story we all get told. You know, the story in Sunday school, which is kind of gruesome if you think about it, because a little kid chops off this giant's head and it's like, woo, you know, and it's like, but that's the Sunday school story. <clears throat> but anyway, you know, we see this, you know, David is still in, you know, in the, in the field being a shepherd, you know, and Saul's got his army and, and, you know, they're on one side of the field and the Philistines are on the other side of the field and, and Goliath is, you know, uttering these you know obscenities and and telling them how much they are you know worthless and sucky and and we can only imagine you know the profanity and and things that were coming from Goliath and don't you have anybody that's a man you know and 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 literally nobody's ready to, to step up to Saul well you know Jesse David's father is like hey why don't you take these grilled cheese sandwiches to the boys you know and it's like wait what but if you read it he's taking bread and cheese to the army you know and it's like okay, you know, and and David shows up on the scene, you know, and he's just being, you know, a humble servant, and he hears Goliath, you know, screaming these obscenities, and he's like, who is that, and he's like, it's Goliath, and he's like, I'll take him out, you know, and here's this, you know, teenage kid, you know, and he's ready to take on Goliath, because he, you know, hadn't seen him, but it didn't really matter, you know, and they're like, you know, settle down, you're just a youth, you know, and No, he's like, no, you know, I'll take this guy out. You know, and Saul, which is funny, is he's so prideful, but he's a coward. You know, he's going to let this little kid do this for him. So he tries to put all his armor on David, you know, and this is a grown man. He's head and shoulders taller than anybody. And this is a teenage boy, and they're putting all this armor on this kid. And he's like, can't even move. He's like, this ain't going to work. So he like strips down all the armor, picks up some rocks, walks out on the field, takes one rock, throws it at Goliath, hits him right between the eyes, kills him. Walks over, takes Goliath's sword, cuts his head off and says, done. Because he knew who he served. You know, he served this living God. He had this relationship with this living God. And that's what God sees in our lives. You know, David spent a lot of time in this, in this field alone. You know, and he had a leer and he was practicing, he was worshiping and he had this slingshot and he probably used this slingshot a million times throughout the day, just like a little kid with a toy you know, bow and arrow, you know, he was playing songs and, and playing with a slingshot. You know, as you read through the story, you know, he killed a lion and a bear with his slingshot. You know, this is a little kid. He's like, I killed the lion and the bear. What's this guy? You know, like, what's the big deal? You know, but he knew who he served. And when we get it down in our spirit, who we serve, the Goliaths of this life are really not that big of a deal because we know who we are in Christ, and we know who we are serving in Christ. So even when the enemy comes at us, even when fear comes at us, even when people are accusing us, even when things are getting crazy in our lives, we know who we serve. And when we know who we serve, we can walk with a confidence and a boldness, not an arrogance, but a confidence and a boldness that David knew he belonged to God. And we should have that same confidence, that same boldness, that we know that we belong to Christ. You know, so this is so important that we know who we are, that our identity is not in our past, our identity is not in our brokenness, our identity is not in our dysfunctions and the things that we're still struggling with, but our identity is in Christ. And when we humble ourselves before Jesus and work through what we need to work through, you know, God puts us in positions to kill our Goliath. You know you know and David begins to grow in power you know and um Saul's really having a hard time you know he's really having some you know he's getting attacked by spirits it says you know he even says that God kind of sent it you know it, it's tricky you can read it you know and you know David, you know Saul's having depression and freaking out and he's having a hard time sleeping so he's like hey you know get me somebody to play me some music and because David was a, a practiced musician, they picked David. David shows up. He starts playing for Saul. Saul can begin to have peace. You know, God puts us in positions to serve, you know, before he raises us up. You know, and so David's now, you know, playing music for Saul. And he's, you know, becoming like a general in Saul's army. And he starts winning these battles. You know, he's he's conquering, you know, everybody. You know, every battle that he goes in, you know, God's with him. You know, and, and um the people are starting to really praise David. You know, and you see this song that the people are singing, you know, Saul's killed his thousands, but David's killed his ten thousands. And Saul loses his mind. You know, that, you know, he's jealous of, of David. You know, he, he thinks that David's trying to take his kingdom, even though the God had already given it to him. And one night at dinner, Saul's like loses his mind. He takes the spear and he chucks it at David. David kind of moves a little bit and the spear goes into the wall. David's like, Peace, time to get out of here. You know, and he starts running for his life from Saul, and Saul starts chasing him and hunting him. You know, and you start to see these stories, you know, of David hiding out in the wilderness. You know, and Jesus sometimes takes us into the wilderness. We watch the Holy Spirit lead Jesus into the wilderness. You know, sometimes, you know, we go through these wilderness seasons. To, to see what's really going on in our heart, and God uses these things to mature us and strengthen us for greater battles. What I see over and over again is Christians come in and park themselves in a pew, and they expect that there's not going to be any you know, issues of life. There's not going to be any temptations. There's not going to be any trials, and we just want Jesus to, like, poof, make suddenly happen all the time. And that's not realistic, that we are to mature, that we are to grow, that we are to go through things, That we are to handle things, that we are to trust Jesus no matter what's going on in the things. You know, and so often there's this misconception that, you know, the devil's down here to try to torture us. And that's not true when we look at it. We're supposed to be chasing the devil around. You know, and we have to know who we are in Christ, that we have to put on our, you know, spiritual body armor, you know, the armor of God, and that we are to hold our ground. You know, and we are to, you know, defeat the kingdom of darkness in our lives and by using our testimony and trusting in Jesus to put us in situations. You know, and you know and David's going through this. You know, he's going through the wilderness, he's kind of hiding out from Saul. You know, and he starts collecting these guys, these misfits. It's very similar to us, if you ask me. You know, there's, you know, a little guy from here, and one guy from this tribe, one guy from that tribe, one guy from this village. And all these guys that are kind of misfits hanging out in the rough necks of the neighborhood, you know, start, you know, following David because he's a leader. You know, and they, you know, he raises up and called the, the mighty men, you know, and they start having these battles and they start winning battles, you know, and they're kind of running from Saul. And some of them are like, why are we running from this guy? We could just kill him. And David's like, don't touch God's anointed. Like he was humble enough to know that He's still the king. He's still the leader. You know, God hasn't given me that yet. And there's a lot of times that we struggle with leadership. And it doesn't mean that leadership's perfect. You know, we can see in this story that leadership was kind of a mess. But David respected the leadership because God puts leadership in place. And when the time came, God removed Saul completely. But until that, David respected Saul, respected his position, respected you know, his authority. And we have to have that same type of, in our lives. And we struggle sometimes. I'll struggle. I've struggled sometimes. You know, that, because I'm rebellious at my core, and I've lived my life very individually. You know, I didn't let my parents tell me what to do. I didn't let anybody tell me what to do. It wasn't until God started moving in my life that I started letting anybody really tell me what to do. Unless I had handcuffs on. You know, <laughs> and you don't really have joy. But anyway, <clears throat> you know what? that God puts leadership in place. You know, even with our country as crazy, it is, you know, as it transitions from the different president, God's in charge of all that. You know, we don't, you know, God is moving. You know, God uses Obama. God uses Trump. God uses all leadership. You know, some of us hate that. Some of us agree with that. You know, and what we have to understand is that we should be praying for the leadership of our church. We should be praying for the leadership of our city. We should be praying for the leadership of our country and God's going to do what God's going to do. You know, we can elect whoever, but God's still in charge, you know, and we need to understand that sometimes God uses leadership to bring judgment on a city, bring judgment on a country, and God uses that same, you know, leadership to bring breakthrough in people's lives. You know, we you see that all throughout the Bible, that when they rebelled, God used, you know, different kings of you know, and different, you know, people to come in and bring judgment upon Israel, bring judgment upon God's people because they wouldn't, you know, repent and they were in rebellion, you know, and they were doing the wrong things. you know. So through this wilderness season, you know, David begins to really, you know, grow in power, grow in his understanding, grow in his leadership skills you know, he's, he's leading, you know, this mini little army that basically defeats everybody that they come up against. And they're pretty radical guys. They do some pretty radical stuff for David. You know, there's a time that they're, you know, hiding out in the cave because, you know, Saul's got his, you know, his troops, you know, and basically they kind of camp down for the night and somebody sneaks over and, 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 and captures something out of Saul's camp and brings it back for David. You know, he brings back some water. And, you know, and David dumps it out, you know, and, you know, we see David, you know, respecting Saul and most of us would be like, why don't you just kill him and be done with it? You know, there's another time that they're in this cave and Saul comes in to relieve himself and David sneaks up on him and like trims his hair, you know, and um I believe it's his hair. And, uh, you know, and Saul goes out and then David yells at him be like, look, look, I could have killed you. I could have killed you. You know, I'm not trying to cause you any harm. And Saul, like, loses his mind again. You know, like, he can't stand the fact that David is as humble and as respectful to him. Like, he just wants to fight him and be done with it. You know, but, you know, we see David, you know, he has this godly character. He's humbled. You know, he trusts God, you know, and all these different things. You know, and eventually we, you know, see, you know, Saul, you know, he... He gets himself in a situation and, and, you know, he's basically surrounded and he wants his armor bearer to kill him once again. He's kind of a coward and afraid and, you know, he ends up falling on his own sword, you know, and, uh, you know, they capture him and they, you know, they they get his dead body and, you know, and uh, they desecrate it basically and send it back to David. And David gets really angry that they did that to his king like even after all of that David was been through because of Saul, he still had this utmost respect for him. You know, and it's a lesson for all of us that God puts these people in our lives that are leadership and and we may not understand what they're going through. We may not understand what God's doing with these people, but, you know, God still, you know, has these principles in place. Well, David kind of gets put in place as the king and he just like, basically destroys all the the different tribes and and armies that are around them and and brings peace to the land. And this is like the first time that there's been a godly person, king, ever, you know, and that there's kind of peace in Israel for the most part. You know, and we see, you know, through this book, you know, it's very relatable for me, you know, and for us, I would think, is that it's, it's written very, you know, open and and that there's you know you can see the flaws of the people you know David's not perfect in this you know but Saul's really not perfect you know and that's what I love about the Bible it's not this holier than thou and everybody's perfect and you know and God uses very broken people you know and I don't know that gives me hope because I'm a broken person you know and God can use me if I humble myself before him and say God I want to do it your way you know and <clears throat> but we see the transparency, you know, in the author. You know, he's writing the the characters, you know, we see the, the flaws in Hannah. We see the flaws in Saul. You know, we see the flaws in David. You know, and um you know, we see Saul, he, he's a dishonest, he's arrogant, he lacks integrity, he's rebellious, he's prideful, he doesn't acknowledge when he's made mistakes, you know, he blatantly disobeys God. But God opposes the proud and he exalts the humble. And then here comes David. You know, he's he's had this relationship with God. He, he worships God. You know, he, he respects leadership. He's not rebellious. You know, and God raises him up. You know, and, you know, we see how, you know, we have dark sides. You know, and, you know, as we're coming out of what we're coming out of, we got dark sides. You know, but, If we humble ourselves before God and we, we acknowledge our mistakes, you know, and we work through some steps, we, we work through what we need to work through. God can use each and every one of us, you know, and, you know, we see in this text, you know, that David from the time that he was anointed king to the time that he stepped into what he was anointed to do is probably around 20 years, you know, and that sometimes we're in a hurry. David had this humble respect for God's timing that, you know, I'm still learning. You know, in my early years, you know, I was ready to run ahead, ready to run ahead, ready to run ahead. You know, and, you know, God's amazing and God's moving in my life. And I'm i a super awesome Christian. You know, look at me, look at me. And now later on, I mean, a decade later and some change, you know, I've humbled myself and said, God, you're timing. You know, and it doesn't mean that I don't pray, and it doesn't mean you know I pray for God to move. But at the end of the day, I don't lose my sleep and I don't lose my joy because things aren't happening the way I think they should happen in the time frame that I think they should happen. And that was a battle probably for the first five to six, seven years of my Christianity, because I prayed God should do it, and I struggled with God's timing for a long time, and it made me miserable. Like I didn't know how to have joy because things aren't happening the way I prayed them. uh, You know, in Jesus' name, you know, and it's like I started to learn that God's sovereignty, God's will, goes above and beyond my prayers. Who am I? I'm just a guy. You know, and I humbled myself before God and said, I'm going to trust your timing. And all of a sudden, my anxiety started to go away. My anger started to go away. Depression started to go away because I wasn't getting what I wanted because this thing is going to make me somehow... Take my depression away that it's, it's going to satisfy me, just like we were singing. That Jesus is the only thing that can bring us peace. Jesus is the only thing that can satisfy us. Anytime that we try to grab a hold of something, even if it's something good, even if it's something that God said that we were going to have, if we hang on to it too tightly and we make it an ultimate thing and we put it above God, it'll destroy us. You know, and I watch a lot of people put marriage in that position and like, You know, I don't know what to tell you. God hasn't brought that to my life. You know, and I pray and I believe that that one day that I'll get married. But in the years that I was making marriage the focus, I'm miserable because I'm not getting what I think I want. You know, and God, why are you forsaking me? He's like, trust me, I'm protecting you from yourself. You know, and later on, you know, God showed me that in his grace, he wasn't giving me certain things because my character wasn't ready for it. And if you would have gave me what I prayed for in the season that I was praying for it, it would have destroyed me. You know, so in God's grace, he withholds certain things. You know, and we see this kind of in David's life. You know, we don't know everything. You know, we only have, you know, this piece of the text. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's a small piece of the puzzle when you're looking at 20 some odd years, you know, but there's stuff that God was doing in David and there's conversations that David was having. You know, we see, you know, a lot of the Psalms were written out of this time of David's life. So he was kind of journaling and he was writing songs and you see the up and the downs of you know in David's life, but he was praising God all through it. You know, and we have to have the same type of heart. Is that we come before God, you know, and we we're just broken men and women and we need God to move in our lives. And you know we, you know some of us have had prophecies spoken over us and some of us have desires and some of us have these you know ideas of good things you know jobs and schools and relationships and but in the end it's God's timing and if we don't wait on God's timing we will destroy ourselves in the in the pursuit of doing godly things good things you know and you know that's one of the messages that I see in this story in David's life is just wait on God you know and that's something that's really hard for us to do. You know, sitting still and trusting God is, is like, be still and know that I'm God. It's like, it's like nails on a chalkboard. You know, it's like, I can't sit still. I got to do something. You know, and it's like waiting on the Lord. Like, oh my God, God is so slow. And he's like, no, God has this perfect timing. You know, and we, the more we learn to trust him in that, you know, peace is, it just, it, it's there you know the joy is there because we're not focused on something that we don't have we're, we can have Jesus and if we focus on that you know all the desires of our heart can can be met you know so it's important that we're learning to trust him even when we don't always understand you know I, you know i'm sure that david didn't understand why Saul was attacking him i'm sure he didn't understand why he was anointed as king and yet he's running around the wilderness and you know, he didn't understand why it was taking so long, but yet he trusted God. He humbled himself over and over and over again, waiting, 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 trust God. You know, and then through that, we see him rise up, you know, as a mighty king. You know, God is always working stuff out in our lives. You know, I mean, through the years, I've watched over and over again as he's moved in our lives, when we get really stressed out, but if we we wait and settle down, God somehow moves, and it's like it's a miracle over and over again. That's where awe comes from. We're, you know, God is awesome. You know, we're in awe of what He does. You know, and it's so important that we wait on His timing and, and trust Him through the process. You know, that we don't try to force it. We don't try to neglect, you know, our broken stuff, and we don't try to make mis- you know, excuses for it. We, you know, when we've made mistakes, that we humble ourselves before God and before people and admit our mistakes work on our junk, work on our brokenness, bring that stuff before God over and over and over again, and God begins to heal us and, and raises up godly character on us through trials, whether we like it or not. I mean, that's the word that, you know, He, we can rejoice in our trials because He's strengthening us, He's building character, He's teaching us to persevere, you know, and we just wish that everything just went real smooth. But, you know, when things go smooth, we don't pray as much. When things go smooth, you know, we, we think we got it all going on. When things go smooth, we get a little bit farther away from God and we don't even realize it. When things are crazy, we get real close to God. You know, we hanging on and we praying and we talking and we're like, God, you know, and he's like, yep. So sometimes he gives us these little storms because we're, we're wandering a little bit, you know, and, you know, he puts us in a little bit of a wilderness. He puts us in a little bit of a trial to see what we're going to do. And he tests our character. You know, he gives us little temptations. You know, not that God is a tempter, but he presents us with an opportunity to to succeed or fail. You know why? Because he wants us to succeed. But what's in our heart? He's got to break that stuff off. We got to grow with Jesus. We got to to turn his you know our will over to him constantly. You know, and, and realize that you know he's strengthening us just like if we were going to the gym. You know, we got we need the the weights to help us to grow. And sometimes life brings us difficult situations that oppose us, you know, and that opposition is helping us to grow in Christ, you know, and we hate it, you know, we don't like it. But, you know, God uses it to strengthen us because he wants warriors that bring forth the kingdom of of heaven, bring that light into the darkness in other people's lives and that we're not shaken by it, you know. You know, I love the verse that's or the verse, the 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 text of the big book is that the thought of a drink will recoil like sticking our hat, hand in a hot flame. Why? Because they've done all this work and they've trusted in God, and God has taken their character defects and, and and began to you know. And we don't want those old idols. We want God. You know, and I don't want those old things. You know, and and we're learning how to live life without them. You know, and so so often we go through trials and you know, I need a drink, I need a drug, I need a person, you know, and it's like, I need a better job, I need more money, you know, I need a cupcake, whatever it is that we you know turn to in those moments of frustration, you know I need this, and what we really need is Jesus, you know, and it shows us what's going on in our hearts, and it shows us that we need some work, and there's never a time that we don't have to be working on ourselves, you know we didn't wake up today more like Jesus if we didn't do some work. And I didn't wake up like Jesus. I am not Jesus. So I got work to be doing because we're supposed to be Christ-like, right? Isn't that the goal? You know, so, you know, there's lots that we can learn. You know, I encourage you, you know, if you you don't know what you're reading, you know, go read 1 Samuel. You know, I I know if you're an early believer, I always tell you to to hang out in the New Testament. But 1 Samuel has got a lot of great stuff. You know, it has the story of Hannah and Samuel, has the story of Samuel and Saul, has the story of Samuel and David, has the story of David and Saul, and all these different things are going on. You know, there's so much amazing stuff that God is doing through broken people in this text. So, I just really encourage you to stay in your word, keep reading your word. It does not come back void. You know, if you don't know what you're reading, you know, get a hold of me, get a hold of a pastor, get a hold of somebody, get into a Bible study. Do something to help you to, to understand the Word a little bit more. You know, um, I have study Bibles. I can give you stuff, you know, to help you. You know, Google's an amazing thing. You know, don't just keep reading and you don't understand. Take a minute and study it, you know, and and you'll be amazed on what God starts showing you and how you relate to the text, even though it was written thousands of years ago. Would you just bow your heads with me? Lord, I just thank you so much. I thank you for all that you're doing in my life and in our lives and in this ministry, Lord. I just ask You just continue to teach us Your Word, Lord. Teach us these godly principles that we can apply to our lives. Help us to continue to grow in our relationship with You. Help us to continue to to lay down our brokenness. Lay down you know, our character defects before You and say, God, change us. Help us to grow. Help us to heal. Help us to be useful. Help us to be used by You. Help us not to be impatient in Your timing, Lord. Help us to trust And your anointing that's upon each and every one of us because Christ has anointed us, you know, and help us to grow so that we can become the warriors that you want us to become so that we can kick the kingdom of darkness butt and bring forth the kingdom of God in other people's lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, amen.